This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Al Shatares here with another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me is my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man with the plan, the one and only, the one and only, John Malika. But before we ask John how he's doing, guys, we got to do a little bit of house cleaning first. First, if you listen to this podcast on any audio listening platform, please make sure to subscribe. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen, listen to us on Apple please make sure to leave a comment that just helps oh so greatly. We're also on YouTube, so please make sure to find the YouTube page, Nick's comment, Jets comment, ETC period, subscribe, hit that notification bell. When you watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, we'll interact with you. Come on, guys, you know what it is, you know the drill. And we also got another podcast over there, Winning Picks Weekly, John, video producer Greg, go down, usually the NFL slate, basketball, NBA betting, college basketball betting, March Madness, we got the Final Four this weekend, you know these guys are going to give you their takes, so make sure to tune in for that. And last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. Now that we did that, John, how are you doing today, my man? How are you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, rolling a little high from the USA men's national team. Killing it. Christian Polizic's on the mat. Uh, the Knicks are on a nice little winning streak here. I don't, I don't care about the, the off court nonsense. So I'm kind of riding high over there. <laughs> and dude, I, honestly, for the first time in a long time, everything is, is looking up and looking kind of optimistic in, in Jets land. And so I'm, I'm, I am anxious for this draft, man. <laughs> That's all I can say. I am, I am anxious for, uh, the end of this NBA regular season and, uh, the NFL draft. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. And, uh, don't worry. We are going to discuss, uh, all that off the court nonsense tomorrow <laughs> for our next episode. But we got a great guest with us today to talk New York Jets. We got one, Jake Asman from the Jake Asman show that you can find on YouTube. He's also one of the hosts on ESPN Houston radio where you can find him on weekdays, three to seven central, uh, CST, CS central time. Uh, that's three to seven PM. All right. So Jake. How you doing, man? Just got to make sure I get that clear, all right? Just got to make sure I get that clear so that people know when to tune in, wherever they are, if they're out there in <laughs> Houston, especially if they're, they're New Yorkers, in, they got to tune in, okay? They're ready to tune in, bro. I appreciate it, guys. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, the, the two things I always got to make sure that I get right is my name and then the time slot, right? You know, I hear people see the name Asman. They're like, wait, Asman has it pronounced. But uh, the S is a Z. And the I and man is, or the M and man, I should say, is actually an I. So it's Asmin. And then, uh, yeah, you guys got it right. Three to seven, ESPN <laughs> Radio in Houston. There we go. Sweet. Now that we got that all uh, set and square, how are you doing today, man? How are you feeling today? <laughs> I'm great. You know, I echo what you guys were saying about uh, the Knicks and the Jets. And, you know, a lot happening in New York sports right now. We haven't even gotten to baseball yet, which is starting next week. So interesting time to be a New York sports fan, which is, uh, you know, something you, you have not always been able to say, Blake. <laughs> That's for sure. And just like uh, John and myself, except for our video producer, Greg, who's a Mets fan, you are a Yankees fan, <laughs> Knicks fan, and a Jets fan. And as I said, we're going to talk about the New York Jets today. So let's get into this. Jake, we know you're, you're on a tight schedule, so we want to make sure you, we get you out of here. 
Let's talk about these offseason moves, man. Jets made some nice acquisition offseason changes. All right. They beefed up uh, the line with, again, uh, Tomlinson in here. Right. So they're going to be moving uh, AVT to the right guard. So let's start off with that. How do you feel about AVT moving to the right guard? And then we'll get, we'll keep going down the line of all the offseason acquisitions. You know, I don't really have that hot of a take about it or that strong of an opinion about it. I kind of defer to Robert Sala and John Benton, the offensive line coach on this. If they think Tomlinson is better just staying at left guard where he was a pro bowler this past year, and they think AVT can make the transition to right guard, I'm good with it. Whatever makes the line better. Obviously, Tomlinson has the pro bowl accolades. He's the highest paid offensive lineman on the team now. So you want to do right by him if he's comfortable at left guard. And AVT played tackle in college. He's played all over the offensive line. They clearly think his athleticism will help him make that transition. And it makes him more valuable, too, that he could play both guard spots. So, you know, it's it's interesting, but I don't think it's that big of a deal because ultimately, as long as Tomlinson and AVT are playing a guard position, your team is a lot better regardless of what they did. Are you, are you concerned at all with the center position, uh, having Connor McGovern come back? Are you looking for the Jets to upgrade that through the draft? I mean, we're going to talk about the draft later, but how do you feel about the entire offensive line as a whole? I think it's a much better unit than maybe some realize. A lot of it, of course, contingent on Makai Becton coming back and, and being healthy. I'm sure we'll get to Makai here in this conversation. <laughs> but, you know, if he's healthy, I, I think Connor McGovern is an above average center. Maybe he's only an average center, but you don't need a pro bowler at all five offensive line spots to be good. I think they value the continuity, right? He's year two in this offense, year two with Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur. So mm-hmm. I think there's some value to that. That being said, you know, they ended up drafting a center. I'm not going to be up in arms. And if they ended up, you know, cutting McGovern to sign JC Treader, who as we're taping this is still a free agent. I'm okay with that too. So I'm kind of, uh, iffy on center, but to me, it's not a big enough concern where I'm panicked about it. If that makes sense. No, I, 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 I agree with you on that. I think John and I, well, I won't speak for John. I know I'm comfortable with it for right now. I'd like to see the Jets. Upgrade the center at some point. I think we've just been spoiled at that position with having Kevin Mawai and Nick Mangold. So I'd just like to see another center back there that I know can be reliable. And they're essentially the major of like the offense. You know, if you're, if your captain is the quarterback, the, off, the center is also a key uh, important piece of that offensive line into the offense as well, just guiding traffic. So hopefully they're, hopefully it's not, no, no slight against to Connor McGovern, but I'd like to see that just solidified and know that we have someone in the future at that position. Moving along. On the offense, though, we got our guy. Oh, John, you want to say something? Come on. No, no. I, I, I just want to just – I don't even want to move off of the Mekhi Beckton. Let's just stick with the offensive line because it all has to do with each other, right? So, uh, we, we, we know we added Tomlinson. He's going to fix our left guard. We're going to move AVT to the right. We talked about center. And now we kind of have a conversation about the tackles, right? So, uh, we all knew that Mekhi Beckton got hurt last year. Uh, Fott was able to – do really well, you know, filling in. We had Moses on the right. Moses is gone. So one of those two is going to have to play tackle unless somebody comes in. Uh, there's a little bit of drama going around right now. Everyone dissecting every word. Uh, how many times Salah blinked when he said, you know, Beckton's name, uh, Beckton liking memes and all these things. Like he changed his Twitter name to Big Bust 77. Uh, you know, like everyone is, um, you know, kind of playing into this, uh, all these little games in the offseason. So, do you have thoughts about uh, Beckton and Fana? And that's going to bleed right into the, you know our draft talk later. Uh, if you think you know a tackle might be addressed, but what are your thoughts on who's going to be the starting left tackle? And honestly, who's going to be starting right tackle? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it's still going to be Makai Becton. I really do. Now, I'm okay if Becton plays on the right side. I, I just want Makai Becton to be in shape and be a part of this team. Like, it is a bit concerning that this guy had an injury last year that was supposed to be, you know, eight weeks. It ended up costing him the entire season, and now we're not sure if he's going to be fully ready to go for OTAs. But listening to Joe Douglas earlier today, it sounds like Makai Becton's part of the plan. It's like he's going to be one of their starting tackles. And I like the fact that they challenged him at the Senior Bowl. Salah had comments that the job this is not going to be handed back to him. George Fan had a really good year. Like Makai Becton shouldn't be handed a starter position. I think he's going to start, but I like the fact that they didn't just hand him the job back. They basically challenged him to get into shape and be ready to go. And I still believe in Makai Becton. Like it's not that long ago that every Jet fan was so excited about the next 10 years of Becton and AVT on the left side of the O-line. What has happened since? Well, Makai Becton got hurt, but the injury was a fluke injury. Someone rolled up into him, his own teammate. I think it was GBR in week one. So you just, I think, got to obviously you know, be somewhat concerned about Becton just because you're talking about a bigger dude coming off injury. But I, I think we have to also at the same time remember this guy was a baller the last time he played. So I'm not giving up on him just yet. And I think he's going to start at left tackle when push comes to shove. Uh, now, you brought up his injury and him missing essentially what, what was supposed to be eight weeks to the entire season. Are How do you feel that he missed the entire season? Because for me, it didn't really matter based on where the season was unfolding at this point. But obviously you want to get him as much game reps as possible because unlike basketball or any other sport where you have a lot of repetitions, it's 16, it's now well, 17 games, I should say. And 17 games is not necessarily a lot to get a lot of game action and just to get yourself solidified in that position. So were you disappointed that you didn't come back or did, or are you indifferent? I think I'm a little disappointed just because it adds a lot of doubt to Makai Becton. And, you know, before the Lake and Tomlinson signing, there was a lot of talk about, well, do you draft someone at four playing my guard for the year? And you basically have Makai Becton insurance and, you know, I just I didn't like hearing that because like you drafted Makai Becton 11th overall two years ago. Like left tackle should be set. George Fan, good pickup by Douglas. Right tackle should be set. It was concerning that, you know, Iki Aquana or Evan Neal was a legit possibility at four. Now, I don't think that's the case because of Tomlinson and what they have said about Becton. So it's concerning. But at the same time, I'm not ready to give up on Makai. Like anyone that's willing to give up on Makai Becton, I encourage you to go and Google his rookie year highlights when he was one of the better you know, young tackles in the league. So I'm just, I'm not as down on Makai as I think some Jet fans are. Look, if Duke Mayweather's out here promoting him, look, if we, if he say people are out here saying that he's a Hall of Fame type uh, left tackle by <laughs> rookie season, I'm not giving up on him either. Uh, John, do you want anything more? Should we just keep going down the, the line of all the offensive uh, signings? Well, honestly, we could just stick with the offensive line because, you know, even though they're tight ends, like Tyler Conklin, he's going to be in addition to that, you know, to that offensive line. I'm sure he's going to play that hybrid fullback role with Nick Bowden. So that's nice. And you got CJ Uzama. Do you have anything to add on on those additions, Jake? I love both signings. You know, I I think it was obvious the Jets probably were were going to draft the tight end relatively high after signing Uzama, but they probably saw the wide receiver market being what it was. And they're like, you know what? Let's just add another tight end instead and get our receiver in the draft. So I I love what they did. I I think you want to give Zach Wilson as much pass catching options as possible. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year, throwing over the middle. Some of that was rookie inexperience. I think a lot of that, though, was you're throwing to Daniel Brown and Ryan Griffin. And guys that don't belong on the field, if we're being honest. So now you bring in not one, but two really good tight ends in Conklin and Uzama. I mean, how could you not like that if you're a Jet fan? I mean, the Jets have not had a good tight end since Dustin Keller, it feels like. And now they got two. So I, I love what they did there. I think that's 
one of my favorite parts about the offseason so far. They have addressed tight end in a major way. Absolutely. And I think the Conklin one is much more of a surprise to me. I didn't expect them really to go get another tight end. Uh, Uzama was one that, you know, John and I discussed on the pod before on, on tight end signings, but having Conklin out there and both of them strong, they can give you some offense. They can give you some good run blocking, solid pass catchers. They're not going to light up the stat sheet there. You know, it's not going to be like any J- Jimmy Graham type status, but they're reliable enough and, and they can get. Uh, the yards after the catch, especially uh, Uzama. My only thing with them is, especially Uzama, is is he going to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, he just has history of that. But moving down, unless, John, John you want anything else? Seems like no, no, no. What I love about Uzama is his yards after catch. And, you know, Jake brought, brings it up all the time on his program, and he just alluded to it right now with the adding wide receivers. So I, I kind of just want to keep rolling with the offense here because we've seen – Joe Douglas this offseason be aggressive more than quote unquote inquiring, right? Because we know that this front office inquires about every single person that's available. And then fans get all upset because it says that, you know, the Jets inquired and we were never in the running, right? But this offseason, we were in the running for a couple of big names and for the first time in a long time, getting up real draft capital, right? So we had the almost quote unquote done deal for Amari Cooper, but you know, obviously the Jets were never willing to pay that $20 million and uh, the Cowboys didn't care about giving Amari Cooper the opportunity to restructure his contract. So that's kind of out the door. But the real one, of course, as we all know, was Tyreek Hill. And now that didn't go through. And now, of course, all the buzz. And, of course, if you listen to Jake, which, you know, like it or not, you are – there is a faction of of, Nick, of uh, Jets Twitter, right? They hear what you say. It starts going through, and we all start recycling. And the, the word on the street now is Jets have to get a wide receiver at 10. And you kind of mentioned it, so. You think I had something to do with them needing a receiver? No, no, no. Way no, too much no, credit. No, no, no. no. Just, just Twitter, right? Like, we, we're now – it used to be like, right, we all said Metcalf, right? We all need to get Metcalf. Now it's like, oh, now that's the cycle. Like, oh, let's get Metcalf. Let's get Metcalf. Let's get Metcalf. So I just feel like, you know, yeah, you're one of the big names that's, you know, on the wide receiver train. I think we all know that the Jets need an upgrade a wide receiver, right? We try, even tried to get Calvin Ridley, and then that all went through. But my, where, where, where I'm struggling, <laughs> like, honestly, as a Jets fan right now is – why on earth we would take one at number 10? So I just kind of want to sit there. I, I, I can't let that go. So uh, the only one from, from my perspective, when I'm just watching the Jets and how they are, you know, moving this offseason and why I, I kind of want to bring it up after Uzama is because he's such a good yards after catch kind of guy. And the best yards after catch guy, in my opinion, is Burks. And so are you taking Burks at 10? Or are you moving on to like a London? I know you have uh, thoughts about Garrett Wilson. Like, just give me your thoughts on the Jets at, at number 10 and the wide receiver. Just because I, I know we're, just, we're talking about protecting Zach Wilson here. Now we're talking about his weapons on offense. And so I just kind of want to, you know, get your opinion on that. Number yeah, 10 so and wide receiver. I, I like all three of those guys. Now, I think you can get different ones in different spots. So I, I don't think you would take Burks at 10. I think in, if you're going for Burks, I think maybe you trade out of 10 and you get him in a trade back because I don't think he's going to go top 10. Now, I think Garrett Wilson is worth the 10th pick of the draft. I think he's that good. And I think the fact of the matter is the Jets being in on Tyreek Hill and being that aggressive, that seems to indicate they'd be willing to use the 10th pick in the draft on a receiver if they think there's one that that makes sense. Now, they could very easily trade back and still end up with a receiver. I see the scenario playing out where maybe they double up on defense at 4 and 10 and they trade back in round one 
to get a receiver. They got two picks in the second round, as we all know, this year. They got all their picks next year. I think they're going to be aggressive to fill wide receiver. There's a debate on when they'll do it, how they'll do it. But I think they've already shown you that they're going to try and do it because they were in on Tyree Kill and had a deal agreed upon. And it's not just Adam Schefter doing research and getting and putting it out <laughs> that the Jets had the terms agreed upon. They want it out there. Douglas is telling Schefter, here's what was agreed upon. So every other team in the NFL now knows the Jets were willing to give up this for Tyree Kill. If we have a guy we're trying to trade, we call them because they're willing to give us a lot for our number one. Like there's an inside media strategy to all this. So they can't acquire a receiver by the draft. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they even double up on wide receiver. Take one at 10 and do it again in the second round if there's one that you really like. So receiver has to be a huge emphasis because the reality is you're right. Guys get hurt. You were talking about it with Uzama. And I don't I don't want a scenario where Zach Wilson in year two is relying on Tariq Black and Denzel Mims <laughs> at the end of these games. Like right now, the Jets receiver room is the same group from last year minus Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder. That's not good enough. So they need to continue to add to that room because if Zach Wilson flames out, they're screwed. So they, they got to continue to add as much help as possible around them. So what are your, what are your expectations for Elijah Moore then? You know, we got, we re-signed Braxton Barrios. We got Elijah Moore in-house. We got Corey Davis. Those are your three top guys right there. How do you feel about all three of them? So if you're looking for a true number one wide receiver, and I, and I feel you on that. I'm looking for a true number one wide receiver. What are your one expectations of Elijah Moore on this team? And then two, like what is, what, what is your hierarchy of the other wide receivers then? So I think Elijah Moore could be a one, but there's also a concern relying on a guy coming off injury going into year two to definitely be your one. That's why I want Elijah Moore to be like the one B. Like if you tell me mm. the Jets could add, I don't know, I'll throw AJ Brown's name out there, but I'm not in any way reporting or saying that the Jets are going to get him. But just think about what adding a proven, legit number one receiver does for the rest of the room. If I tell you the Jets wide receiver core is A.J. Brown, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Braxton Berrios, with one move, you made the Jets receivers top 10 in the league. That group is top 10 in the league. You could argue it's better than that, depending on what Elijah Moore is in year two, because I think it could be you know a legit number one in this league. I really believe that. Same. Then you factor in Corey Davis being in his normal slot of like a number two, well, the last time we saw that with, ironically enough, in this case, it was A.J. Brown with the Titans. He was awesome. He had like 1,200 receiving yeah. yards, and he was great. That's what got him the contract from the Jets in the first place. So I just think drafting a receiver is a must, but it's risky. That's why I've been pounding the – and you guys know you watch the show. Yep. That's why I've been like pounding the table all offseason. Hey, Joe Douglas, get Zach a number one so you're less reliant on the draft to have to find that guy because I, I think the stat – I even talked about this on local radio here in Houston today – 23 guys have been drafted in either the first or second round the last two drafts. 23 guys. Only three have gone over a 1,000 yards as a rookie. So relying on Garrett Wilson, as good as I think he might be, or Traylon Burks, or insert any guy, there's risk involved in that. That's why I wanted Amari Cooper. That's why I was willing to pay Allen Robinson. That's why I wanted, like everyone else, Tyree Kill. So they got to address the position, but I think they're going to try and do everything ahead of the draft to do it. And then the draft could be the fallback option if they can't get that number one. No, and that's, yeah. that, that's good. That, I, I agree with you on that because when I was listening to having to draft a wide receiver, and I'm thinking, you know, we got two drafts in the top 10. There's not a wide receiver that I'm looking at in this draft class that I'm taking in the top 10 personally because I don't see them as that type of Jerry Judy impact player CD lamb where you put them out there and they're an instant threat I think a lot of these guys could be threats but I'm not trying to draft somebody to 
be a could in my first year when I'm trying to help my quarterback. So I'm glad that you uh, answered all that. And if we got A.J. Brown in here, then we're just taking everything away from the Titans, and I love it. <laughs> well, 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 that's the whole thing, right? So the whole thing with the Jets strategy is this offseason, all the contracts, the one common denominator is that they're backloaded. And I'm, I'm so happy you brought up Joe Douglas's actual words today, right? He wants it out there. He wants everyone to know if you are having trouble with signing your wide receiver with the extension <laughs> coming up, we have money and this is what we're willing to trade. And I, you know, I, I don't think that's, you know, hyperbole at all. And you brought up AJ Brown. There's a lot of other names like Deontay Johnson, Debo Samuel. Like oh, there's names floating everywhere. And that's why I, nothing changed with the draft, right? So I, I, that's why I don't think the Jets are going to go four wide receiver at 10. But then that says, okay, what are we going to do? You mentioned defense. So let's just jump to back to the defense, back to the offseason moves, right? We were, we were we finally have a strong safety in Jordan Whitehead. I think that's going to be the, probably the most underrated move of the offseason. In my opinion, everyone's like, Oh, everyone, you know, we have, we, I call syndrome 33, right? The, even the word safety around jets nation right now, <laughs> spending any money on it, spending a draft pick on, on a safety, like makes us all cringe. So Jordan Whitehead's going to be a great addition. Uh, DJ Reed, another great addition to our secondary. But obviously, obviously, we need help um, on the DBs. We need help on the defensive line. Even though we just picked up Solomon Thomas, uh, which is a, you know a nice little addition uh, with the San Francisco staff. Where we also, got have, we also brought uh, back Nathan Shepard too. Don't forget, uh, we got him. Of back course, on the well, yeah, we got Nathan Shepard back. We traded Blake Cashman uh, to your Texans. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we, we made a little bit of, you know, small little maneuvers there. But that's why I think that we're going to go defense. And just let's just stick with the number 10 before we jump to the number four, because we have questions about the Houston Texans and the Jets and how that's really going to maneuver. But do you see any edge rushers at 10 that you would like to see? Let, let's say that, you know, Sauce Gardner and Kyle Hamilton are not really available at 10. And let's just stick with the edge rushers because there's a bunch, right? Like, let's say at least there's like four to six that have been, you know, projected to be in the top 15. Where do you like, where do you like the Jets uh, looking at edge rusher at 10? Well, what did they do at four then in this scenario? Because I think they're going to go edge at four. So are you saying double up in the draft in the first well, round? Well, let's say that I get my wish and we get Icky at four, which I know that you mentioned at the top of this program that you don't think is a possibility. But let's just say... Uh, the guy that's been rumored to the Jets this whole time. We get Icky at four, and now we're looking at Edge at ten. Yeah, so I, I mean, Icky could be a Jet if they just have him as their number one player on the board, and they say, "Screw it, we're just taking him because we love him so much." I'd be surprised, but it's not crazy to have that thought. So, on the, and so we'll play out your scenario here. If they're not taking a pass rusher at four, they're a lock to take one at ten. You'd think, but. Where are they getting the receiver? Then are they trading back into round one? Are they taking one around two? Did they already make a trade at this point for DK or AJ Brown or insert whatever fantasy the Jet fan has right now? Um, well, even if not, let's say let's say let's say they, they pick up either a deep. Let's say they pick up either Sauce or Icky at four. Right? Doesn't okay. really matter which one because that doesn't affect you know what goes on at ten. And then wide receiver, you know they see depth. They could trade up if they want. You know, they have a couple second round picks. Watson will be there for one of them, even though he's not the best route runner. You know, he's at least somebody they could add. There's some other wide receivers still in the market, you know, that they can add. There's somebody, you know, Michael Thomas is still out there somewhere, you know, lurking in the shadows. You know, they could they could figure something out. So let's say they're sticking with the defense here and they have to go edge rusher. And you saw um, 
you know, George, I can, I cannot pronounce his last name. The edge rusher from Purdue kind of fumbled his 40 today. Yeah. He fumbled his 40 today. Like, where, where would you, where would you, uh, choose if you were Salas in there at 10? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, I mean, maybe Kayvon Thibodeau somehow slips. I've seen some mocks having that. I don't buy it, but I'll throw him out there. I mean, Trevon Walker from Georgia is high on a lot of people's boards. Uh, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, who the Jets coached up close at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Carl Optus, we just talked about him. He's still a guy that a lot of people think is a top 15 prospect coming out of Purdue. It is a very good draft class of edge rushers. That's why I'd be shocked if the Jets come away from this draft without drafting an edge rusher at either 4 or 10 because it's such a big need. And, and honestly, if they don't do it at 4, I'd be really surprised. If we're going to base all, base the comments of Douglas and Sala from the last two days into what I think how or how I think things could play out, I'd be shocked if they don't take an edge at 4. So you like Thibodeau. I do. I'm a Thibodeau okay. fan. I think there's I think there's too much being made of uh oh his character and maybe the Jets don't want the Jets were gonna trade for Tyree Kill on his character. So please <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear about Kayvon Thibodeau's character. The guy is a beast. He led college football on pressure rate. Like we overthink it too much. Or I should say like fans do and certainly NFL teams do. Sure. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, oh well, he might have some Jamal Adams in him. Oh, you mean he's gonna be a Pro Bowl player, but this time he's gonna be a Pro Bowl player at a premium position? Where do I sign? So, like, I'm good with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau if they took him at four. I have no issues with that pick. Thibodeau, character issue. If you're a Knicks fan, this is not the podcast for you right now. So, uh, you can stay far away. But, yeah, we're not okay. talking about Tom. We're talking, we're, <laughs> I want to make that clear to my fellow Knicks fans out there. We got, we, Knicks fans have had enough, enough issues this year complaining about, you know, Thibodeau and rotations. We're talking about Kayvon, the pass rusher from Oregon. <laughs> what do you think? How do you feel about Jermaine Johnson? Because there's talk about him as well. Do you think he's a guy that would go at four? Because if you're, if you're, if they're, Jets are not taking someone at four, there's probably the likelihood that they're going for Jermaine Johnson at 10 then. So I like Jermaine Johnson, but full disclosure, like, I don't know enough about him, honestly. Like, I, I read the same things you guys do. It's like, not like anyone's telling me, Hey, like, this guy's going to be great. I've spoken to a couple of scouts that have had various opinions on, on him at the next level. And, you know, if they took him, let's say in the draft, I'd feel good about the pick because the Jets had inside knowledge coaching him up at the senior bowl. Like he was one of the standouts at the senior bowl back in Mobile when this process really started. So, you know, I, I honestly, I'm kind of putting a lot of blind faith in the Douglas. Like I'm hoping him and Salah could replicate what was obviously a very good draft a year ago and, you know, pending Zach Wilson turning out to be really good. It's the best draft they've had in, you know, arguably franchise history when you think about it. So, um, it's going to come down to just, do you trust Joe Douglas? If you do, and he takes a player you maybe don't love, you hopefully give him the benefit of the doubt because you trust that he knows what he's doing. Do you trust Joe Douglas? Let me ask you that question. Cause that, cause I feel like for the last couple of seasons we've had, we've got, this will be his what his third draft now. So yep. first season, I mean, we got Makai Becton, Denzel Mims, eh, Ashton Davis. Eh. I mean, you got, what we got Bryce Hall out of that draft. Okay. Fine. We got a solid, maybe two, three corner right there. Last draft, this past draft, you could, I could, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, still the, the Zach Wilson showed some prompts at the end of the season. You know, we got, uh, was Elijah Moore, uh, Michael Carter, Michael Carter's, I should say, let's say the Michael Carter's cause we got both, <laughs> we got Michael Carter and Michael Carter the second. Sure. We got, we got a good draft, uh, last season. So do you have faith in Joe Douglas this season? I do. I mean, I mean, I, I guess at the same time, like I, I, I just got to hope that he gets it right. Right. I mean, I, I do think yeah. he's a good GM. I like his plan. But it all culminates with this offseason. Like, I've talked about this on the show a lot. It's the most important offseason in franchise history. This playoff drought's at 11. It's the longest in the NFL. Like, you have a coach in year two 
with the same coaching staff, a quarterback in year two with the same offensive coaching staff around him, better players. Douglas is in year four as a GM, but to be fair, his third full offseason because he got hired so late in 2019. Like, if not now, then when? So, like, I'm optimistic and I believe in Joe, but they can't screw this up. Like, it's very rare you have a team that has this much cap space and four picks in the top 38. Like, the Jets are the only team in the NFL that had four picks in the top 50, and their picks are in the top 38. They got two picks in the top 10. They have all their picks front-loaded, uh, front loaded, so, like, nine draft picks. None of them are after the, the fifth round. So, like, they're all from the fifth round and earlier. Like, if they can't get it right now, they might never get it right. So, like, as optimistic as we are as Jet fans right now, like, they have to get it right. So, I'm optimistic, but we're still Jet fans at the end of the day. So, <laughs> I'm just hope I'm hoping for the best here with this draft. I like the offseason so far, but I, I'm hoping for the best with the draft. I'm encouraged, but you never know. Oh, man. And this is why I say I like your optimism and realism at the same time. This is why I like tuning into your show. Uh, John, you got any more questions on uh, defensive ends or or should we keep pushing? Well, it's just like, I, I just want to comment. That it's the highest draft value since the 91 Cowboys, right? Yep. That we all, all go by the same scale. And, you know, you totally hit it right on the head. Like, if not now, then when, Joe Douglas? You haven't, since he's been with the Jets, we haven't beat a division opponent. Like, we literally have not beat any single team in our division since Joe Douglas has been with the Jets. It's embarrassing. I know. It, it, it is now. Like, it, it is right now. And he knows that this is his season, and he's going to be judge on this season. And, again, just the way the contracts are built, I do believe that we are still not done with the with the offseason, you know, maneuvers. But, you know, our entire offseason and our entire draft, fortunately or unfortunately, relies on the Houston Texans, man. And since you're, you know, you know, you know, right there in Houston, we need to know where the Houston Texans are are, are going to maneuver. Are they going to trade out? What are they thinking? Because that's really going to like affect our entire draft, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so I think the Texans would like to trade out, but I also could see a million scenarios playing out in front of them, and what could happen if they fall in love with a player. They're not going to take a quarterback, so I don't mean that. But you know, I could see them very easily taking. It came Aquana or Evan Neal at three. I could also see them very easily taking Kayvon Thibodeau if they have him as their number one pass rusher on their board. I don't think they'll take Hamilton. I don't think they're going to uh, take a quarterback, as I mentioned. So, you know, it just honestly, it's not even just the Texans that impacts the Jets, the Lions as well. What if they take a quarterback or they trade out? All of a sudden, the, the entire draft could be radically different. So I, I think the Jets are in a good spot, though. I know, obviously, there's a lot of Jet fans that want a particular player at four, and that's impacted by the Texans, but I think the Jets are in a pretty good shape here to end up with an impact player at four, an impact player at 10, and you can't rule out the the chance they trade out, which I think is still on the table in both spots. Now, you mentioned two names I would like to get into, which is uh, one, Amar Gardner, and one, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, you know, we, we talk, <laughs> there's talks about how, especially, I forget, I think it was either Connor Hughes, DJ Bienemy, uh one of the, the beat <laughs> reporters talked about how the team is happy with DJ, uh, not the beat reporter, uh, <laughs> the corner, not, not the beat reporter. Yeah. Uh, although I don't know how they feel about the beat reporter. I'm sure they all like the beat reporter, but I know they're happy with the corner they just signed, but their expectation is that all the corners, whether it's Michael Carr, the second, Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, they don't really view them as a two. Uh, there probably could be a two, which is their feeling, but they're more so a three. So how would you feel if the Jets used either one of their picks? to get 
an Amad Gardner, or if they use the pick to get Kyle Hamilton and really just go get one one of the more top, like just football players in the draft. Because when you watch Hamilton play, he's just a baller, man. Like that is just flat out baller. I just don't believe in the positional value at four. Now you can convince me at ten, maybe Hamilton could make some sense. I just don't see them doing it though. I really don't. Not after the Jamal Adams situation, and also. Kyle Hamilton's forty time. He ran like a four seven. I, I'm sorry, man. Like that's not that's not fast enough for me to use a top four pick on like in the NFL draft. Like if, like I keep hearing he's generational. He's a unicorn. If Derwin James didn't go in the top ten, why am I picking Kyle Hamilton at number four or really ten for that matter? So I would say no. Sauce Gardner, I'm way more open to because I think he play he plays a more premium position. Obviously playing corner. I don't love it at four though. If he's there at ten, I'll listen. I don't love it at four, though. I think edge is such a bigger need than corner for this team. And just the actions that the Jets have told us, they don't value that position as much as other teams. They value pass rush. Their defense sucked last year because they were awful rushing the quarterback. Like, they need Lawson to come back healthy. They need Quinn and Williams in a contract year. And John Franklin Myers has been given a contract to step up and play well. And they need that edge rusher to complement what's already in place. So that's why I just think, if it's between sauce or the best edge available at four, they would lean with edge at four. And I, I continue to bang the table for either help the quarterback or get after the quarterback with picks four and 10. So that's edge receiver. Like that's kind of how I'm viewing four and 10 help the quarterback or get after the quarterback. Mm, I like that. Help the quarterback or get after the quarterback. That's a, that's a good state. That's good. It's a good point. Yeah. I like it. That, that, like that, it. I mean, that's what Joe Douglas has been preaching. And that's why I think that it's going to be, you know, rather than wide receiver, it's going to be offensive line, defensive line. But we're mostly on the same page there. Jake, let me ask you: You, you talk to scouts. Uh, you're you're not only in the Jets' ear, as we mentioned. You're you're in the Houston ear, and you mentioned all the NFL, really all NFL news on your program. Is, is, are there any players that you would be shocked if they fell? You know, a little bit. Right? And I think like Tyler Linderbaum is is the pretty pretty popular name right now that everyone follows. Going like top five now, all of a sudden he's a second round pick. Uh, we've had Zion Johnson uh, fluctuate everywhere. Uh, Christian Watson, as we mentioned, the tight ends. Any any names uh, surprising you that are falling? Any or you know rising like the quarterbacks? Yes, yeah, so you mentioned a couple. Like I mean, if, if Linderbaum somehow is there at thirty five, like come on, Jets, run to the podium <laughs> and get that guy. I, I just I don't see it. I mean, I, I guess it's possible because some teams maybe don't view him as a scheme fit and he's a little undersized. So it takes the right team that would have a need at center to take him in the first round and guarantee that kind of money. So I, I, I get some of that, but I mean, come on, man. Like this guy was thought to be a generational center. Now he's not going to be in the first round. Like I, I don't buy that for a second. So we'll see. Christian Watson went from third round pick to maybe a first round pick. Now you just, it fluctuates, but I feel like more so maybe this year than others, there's no real clear consensus, especially in the top 10. Like, how often have you seen a mock of a guy that's going in the top five that in a different mock is going towards the end of the first round? Like, I've seen that constantly this offseason, and I can't remember another year where it's been like that. So, you know, I'm hearing the same things you guys are hearing, right? I mean, it's all various opinions on different players, and, you know, everyone's got an opinion. So that's why it's kind of all over the place right now. There's no clear consensus. Like, last year, we knew the first three picks in the draft were going to be quarterbacks. Like, we knew, you know, for a while, hey, Lawrence is one, Wilson's two, and then we – quickly figured out at three it was going to be Trey Lance from there. But, like, it's just different this year. It's a, it's a way different draft than what we've experienced, not even just last year, but in previous years as well. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. I, I mean, I agree. I agree with I agree with that. So, 
I agree with that analysis, Jake. But before we get you out of here and thank you for your time, we're going to throw you one Knicks question because you are a Knicks fan and we got some time left. How are you feeling with these last stretch of games? We're on a four game winning streak. You know, right. I, we, we should have, <laughs> should be a five game winning streak, but that's a, that's another story. And I, I know, I know John is mentally inside just banging the table right now. <laughs> yeah. So. How do you feel about the young kids that we're seeing with RJ Barrett? We see, I know Quinn Grimes has to play the last couple of games. He's nursing a knee injury, but we've seen Deuce McBride. We've seen Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims out there. How are you feeling about the young kids and their development right now? Yeah, I, I feel, I feel encouraged by what we have seen here. Now, the Randall situation is a cloud over the organization. Like what, what his actions after the game, it's like, come on, dude, you won the game. Can you at least fake? Your excitement, like it was just, I was a bad luck, but I mean, it's bittersweet at the same time though. Cause you know, if the Knicks didn't collapse in all these games in the second half of the year, they'd be in the mix for the playing game. Oh, right 100%. Now. Like, like I honestly, that's what bothers me about this year the most. Like obviously the Knicks are not a good team. We all recognize last year they grossly overachieved. They're not this bad though. Like <laughs> Tom Thibodeau this didn't forget soft. how to coach. Like some of these players on the team didn't forget how to play. They've had just meltdowns at awful spots. The Derrick Rose injury killed them. So this year has been very frustrating because they're not a good team. I want to make that clear. I don't think the Knicks are a good team. I don't think they're as bad as the record says they are, though. And and I think that's what's really frustrating. And, of course, you know, they win four games in a row now when the season's pretty much over. Like, when, the, when there's no expectations for the Knicks, that's when they're at their best, which is go figure. Oh, man. Like last season, right? No expectations whatsoever, and that's when they're at the yeah, peak. It's peak. Sp- speaking of expectations, Yankees, are we doing anything this year? I mean, I, I, Greg is a resident Mets fan. I know I'm supposed to hate the Mets. I am, I, I am on the record. I am jealous of the New York Mets because they have Showalter and they have the best two pitchers on their staff. Like just based on that, I am jealous of them. I am mad enough to admit it. But I like this Yankees team. I think we can do some damage as underdogs. Just you know, last question before we get you out of here. What are your thoughts on New York baseball? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Mets are going to be a good team. I do. I, I think Buck Showalter is going to change a lot for that organization. I thought that was an awesome, awesome hire by Steve Cohen and a great job getting Buck. And, yeah, I mean, the Mets have a good team. They do. They're in a tough division, though, so we'll see how things play out. You know, the, the Yankees, I think, are going to be better than people realize from the standpoint that last year they won 92 games despite the fact everyone had a down season besides Judge and Stanton. Like, if the Yankees are healthy, and that's a big if. I mean, what, what frustrates me about the Yankees real quick is for a team that has a $250 million payroll, there's a lot of if this happens, then they could do this. Like there should be more like sure things like an Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton in the lineup. But if LeMahieu bounces back, Torres bounces back, Gallo and Rizzo play like they're capable of, if Hicks is healthy, like they could actually be a pretty good team. Josh Donaldson, if he stays healthy, he's still a very good offensive player and an excellent defender. There's a lot of ifs. There should be less ifs, but if they hit on most of these ifs, if that makes sense. They <laughs> yeah. should be a pretty good team. Like, despite the issues last year, they did make the playoffs and win the same amount of games as the Red Sox. So I'm not as down on the Yankees as some. I'm just not as high on them as we probably should be following a disappointing year. Like, they could have done more this offseason, and instead they're kind of rolling the dice on answering these ifs, and I think that's a big question. Was Sanchez in addition by subtraction? I think so. I just yeah. – look, I, I like Gary Sanchez. I wish him all the best. It, when your number one pitcher can't pitch to him in a single game elimination, and <laughs> thank you, it, it's just it's a problem. And plus, any time he would have a defensive lapse and he'd hear it from the fans, I feel like it, it started to affect him mentally. I think he needed a clean start. The Yankees couldn't roll him back out there, and I, I feel like, as you said, addition by uh, by subtraction is probably the best way to put it. 
Gary Sanchez needs a new situation. Julius Randle needs a situation. If all these ifs happen, just talk about all these teams that we love so much in the Knicks, Jets, Yankees. Jake, you hit it all on the head. Jake, we appreciate your time and coming on the show. Please let our listeners know where they can find you. If you like New York sports, YouTube would be the place to check it out because I have to imagine you guys aren't uh, interested in us breaking down the Houston Astros uh, <laughs> pitching staff, right? Especially you as a Yankee fan, Jay. So I'll, I'll say uh, YouTube, Jake Asman, just my name, J-A-K-E-A-S-M-A-N, and uh, you'll get Jets content, New York sports content there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have some fun, especially leading up to the NFL draft next month. And for any of our listeners that are down in Houston, make sure to check out uh, Jake Asman on uh, ESPN 975 Houston Radio between 3 to 7 p.m. Central Time. All right. Make sure to do that. Jake, thank you for coming on to our show. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in once again. You know the drill, as I said, at the top of the key. If you listen to this podcast on any audio listening platform, please make sure to subscribe. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also on YouTube, so please make sure to find the page, subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. Hit the like button when you, when you watch a video and leave a comment. Engage with us. Let us know your take. Let us know what perspective you want to bring to the conversation because we love to engage with you and this is just a community feel. We also got winning picks weekly when you're over there. John, video producer Greg, they usually go down the NFL slate, NBA action, whether it's on TNT, ESPN, you name it, they're going to be betting on it. College basketball's in action. We got Final Four coming up. I'm sure these guys are doing something, even though John hasn't mentioned anything to me yet, but I am 100% (laughs) sure they're going to be betting on the Final Four. So make sure to check into that as well. And last and certainly not least... Please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You name it, we are there. Thank you once again to Jake Asman for hopping on with us. And thank you to our listeners once again. We out. No chance.